welcome to the weekly podcast of River Valley Church. We're glad you're here. Our heart is to lead people to Jesus and launch them into their God-given purpose. So we pray you would encounter God in a fresh, new way today. To learn more about our church, visit rivervalley.org. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. Well, I want to welcome you again and everybody watching online. Welcome to River Valley Church. Come on, can we welcome all the missionaries and all the people that are watching around the world right now, joining us in church. Thank you for being here. Thank you for streaming in. And we are continuing a series on the book of 1 Peter. We've been doing it over the last few weeks, and we've got a few weeks to go. And we're going to go to 1 Peter chapter 4. In week one, just quick lightning fast recap. In week one, Pastor Rob talked about a living hope. When you're suffering, we can live as though we have a living hope, not a wishing hope, but an assurance that Jesus Christ is alive and well, and the hope that we look forward to is his return and for us to be with him for all eternity. In week two, we talked about living stones. If we remember that, Jesus Christ is the cornerstone, and we are like bricks being added to a spiritual house called the church that we can do this. We're better together than we are on our own. We're not just bricks floating around, but we're better together. Last week, Pastor Rob talked about being hope holders. So we need to be able to give a response as people ask this question, why do you live that way? And if nobody's asking you that out there in the world, you might be living like the world. But the way of Jesus Christ is so counterculture. It's so different than the way the world lives. It begs the question, why are you living this way? Be ready to have an answer. And if, you, if, you don't, if you're not a theologian and if you didn't get a doctorate degree in theology, biblical theology or anything like that, you'd say, I'm a simple person. At the simplest level, your response can be, I'm a hope holder. Here's what I've experienced in my life. Here's what I cannot deny because I've seen it with my eyes. I've heard it with my ears. I've experienced the power and the presence of God. I am a hope holder. This is true for me, and it can be true for you. And today, we're continuing in 1 Peter chapter 4. The book really talks, you know, Peter's writing to modern-day Turkey, and they're passing this letter city to city, if we remember. And I love that just week over week, we're, we're in this book. We're learning. And so hopefully you're grabbing onto this. You're going to remember when you read 1 Peter eight months from now or five years from now, you're going you're to remember this stuff. I believe that the Holy Spirit's going to bring it to your remembrance. Like, yes, I remember what that's about, and I remember how that applies to my life. But this letter, he's, he's writing, and he's writing to the church of Jesus Christ scattered throughout modern-day Turkey, and they're experiencing some level of suffering. And so in week one, we talked a little bit about suffering. Week two, a little bit more. Week three, a little bit more. I want you to know that what we're about to read is right in the middle of two different paragraphs of suffering. So today's message is not necessarily about suffering, but Peter is writing this on purpose. Why? It's, it's the key to how we live as Christ followers, even in the midst of our suffering. Spoiler alert, the superpowers are not just the gifts of the Spirit, but it's the church of Jesus Christ operating in those gifts in the middle of their suffering. I'll say it again for one person on the right. The, the supernatural thing that we have is not just 
gifts of the Spirit. It's when we as Christ followers are operating in those gifts, even if we're suffering. That's something that the world goes, whoa, I know what you're going through. I know what you're facing. I know what you've experienced. I know the trial. I know the difficulty. But you're operating in these gifts, in these, the Lord's using you. And I can't deny that, that there's a God, he's using you. That is what's powerful. And so let's, let's read this together. First Peter chapter four, verses seven through 11. Everybody good? The end of all things is at hand. That was true for the church there. It's true for us today. Jesus can split the sky any second. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Verse 10, as each has received a gift, we'll talk about those gifts, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. One commentator broke down what we just read like this. Pray unencumbered. Love profoundly. Deploy your gifts self-deniably. Speak for God, not yourself. Serve with God's strength, not your own. And do all of the above for the glory of God. The title of this message is Gifts Gotta Go. The gifts gotta go. They gotta be on the move. We need to deploy, we need to release the gifts that God has placed in each and every one of our lives. Can we pray together as we go? Lord, we thank you for this time together and we just pause one more time that the words that are spoken would be words from God. They would be words from you, Lord. And I pray that this message would change our life and would change the way that we live. I pray that I would not embellish but I would be restrained to what is the real power, the power of the word of God that can change lives. I pray this in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Uh, our, our twin boys, if, if, if you know, we, we've got twin boys. They just started doing afternoon naps. So it's kind, of a, it's kind of a big deal when you have a baby. It's like you got naps going. You got a nap schedule. They take, first they sleep pretty much the whole time. And then, except that night, you know, they, they sleep all day. They, they're awake all night. This is just how it works. I've learned as a parent, this is just how it works. Some mom's like, no, read baby wise. <sighs> I got it. Okay. But then they get down to two naps and then they go down to one nap. And, and then our boys just transition to afternoon nap. But have you, if, if you're a parent or do, do you know this experience, have you ever been running errands and you're getting close to nap time? 
and you're like, I feel a little urgency. I, like we gotta, we like nap time's coming. I gotta, we gotta hustle. We gotta get this thing going. Like, like we gotta move. And then while you're in the car, you're doing idiot things just to keep the baby awake. You're like, like come on, come on, like wake up, wake up. You know, you're just like loud. We're clapping in the car. We're like hitting the brakes. Like you're doing everything possible to stay awake. And what we're going to talk about in just a, a moment is that we got we to gotta stay awake. This is week four of the book of 1 Peter. Wake up! This is a good time just to be reminded. There's a pastor, I'm not going to expose who he is, but a pastor on our team uh, ha- had a long week and was in his office and he was snoozing. Not gonna, I'm not going to say who it was. Not at this campus. Wouldn't happen here. And the campus pastor knocked on, on his door and, and said, hey, hey, uh, you gotta wake up. And this pastor said, I was praying. <laughs> no, nope. No, you were sleeping. Reminds me of the Garden of Gethsemane when, when Jesus is like, hey, stay awake right before he's arrested. Disciples, stay awake and pray. Stay alert and pray. Wake up and pray. Do you know what's at hand? Like, like there's something happening. Would you pray? And, and I just imagine the disciples, you know, they're like doing the best that they can and their heads are, are drooping and they're falling asleep time and time again. And I just wonder if one of them, maybe Peter, the guy that wrote this, maybe Peter was like, I was praying. And Jesus is like, no, you got some big adenoids. You were snoring, man. You were, you were sawing logs. The point of this, the story is this, that as Christ followers, sometimes we're living this life like, oh, I was, we were, we were going we to go to church. I was going to wake up. I was thinking, I was planning about, I was going to have a little bit more time of prayer. I, yeah, I was just, I was just processing maybe, oh, yeah, I'm, I was going to tithe or I, I was, yeah, I was about to sign up for, and I want to encourage you today, now's the time to wake up. Point number one is we need to pray awake. Pray awake. There's no, I, I was praying, but you were really sleeping. We don't, get, we don't get that excuse with God. And we can fake it for everybody else, but you cannot fake God with how you're living your life. Wake up. Pray awake. Unencumbered. For the sake of your prayers, stay awake. Matthew 24, 36 and 42 through 44. But concerning that day and hour when Jesus come, comes back, no one knows. Not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know what day the Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you must also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. We need to stay awake. Jesus could come back anytime and we need to bring as many people into the kingdom of God as possible. Church, we need to wake up and we need to stay awake. Mark 13, 35 through 37. Therefore, stay awake for you do not know when the master of the house will come in. This is another gospel, same story. In the evening or at midnight when the rooster crows or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. 
We need to pray awake and we need to stay awake. As a Christ follower, everything that we do, I was thinking about serving. I was thinking about signing up for a global team. I was thinking about joining a small group. I was thinking, how about we stop thinking and how about we wake up? How are we living? And anytime there's a list of to-dos in the Bible, because I know that that can turn you off. Like it's just a bunch of to-dos. Anytime that there's a bunch of to-dos in the Bible, it says something to the effect of in light of eternity. There's a reason there's this way of living or there's this checkbox list of things to do in the church of Jesus Christ because in light of eternity, people are going to die and go to hell if they don't know Jesus. And so don't get turned off by ah the to-dos. Instead, wake up and say, we got to reach people for Jesus. How am I living my life? I'm not going to fake out God. I'm living it. I'm doing it. A little intense there off the top. <sighs> pray awake, pray awake, pray awake. Second point is love people stretched out. I'm going to explain that. Okay, pray awake. What do you do right when you wake up in the morning? big old stretch, right? Okay, pray awake, stay awake, live this life as a Christ follower, alert, ready to really live this out. And the second thing is, is love stretched out. What we read is keep loving one another, another earnestly. Earnest, that word means stretched out. Think of it like, like are you being earnest? Are, are, you, are you eager? It, there, there's, there's this imagery of like, str like stretching out, like I, I deeply want this. I, I really desire this. this is there's a stretching out, and this is how Peter's teaching, hey, even in your suffering, you got to pray awake, wake up, live this out, and you got to love fully stretched out. I think of like casting a fishing line. I'm not a fisherman, so don't judge me if I say something wrong. But I watched Goofy movie, and he had the perfect cast. I just think of a kid like learning how to cast. The goal, the goal of a kid is not to just like, you know, just like it just kind of like just falls in the water. The goal, like learning to cast. I mean, I, re I remember learning as a kid. I, like, I'm, I want to cast it as far as I can. I'm launching this thing. I don't know if the fish are more out there than here, but I just, that's what's fun about fishing in my mind, okay? Don't judge me. That's what we're supposed to love like. Like cast your love, stretch it out over people. Your love will cover a multitude of sin. And not just stretched out, but targeted and specific. Love like that. When I put my daughters to bed and our second oldest, Ivy, when, last night when, when I was putting her in bed, she said, I love you more than Starbucks, which is a big deal. Cake pops. She's not drinking coffee. She'll say, she'll say, I love you infinity. Right? You've, maybe you've heard that before. Like, this is like, this is just what we do. And I can say back, like, I, I love you to infinity and beyond. Like, I can, I can say that. But, but what is also equally and potentially more powerfully powerful? Hey, Ivy, I love you because you have blue eyes like I have blue eyes. I love you specifically. I love you because you're five and you snore like a grown man. 
I love you because I get to rub your nose as you close your eyes and you fall asleep like in a minute. It's like a miracle. I like, I love you. I love you because you're funny. You're just inherently funny. You bring so much joy to this house. So let's love people far and wide and specifically. We're going to get to the gifts in a second, which let's keep this in mind. We're going to stay awake and we're going to love far and wide, but also targeted and specific. Ephesians 3, 17 through 19 says this, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend all that the saints, uh, all the saints, what is the breadth, the length, the height, the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. The height, the depth, and it surpasses, that's the far and wide, that's loving stretched out that you may be filled with the fullness of God. I, th- I think the height and the depth, that, that's there. That, that's, that's stretched out, but then also specific that you may be filled with the fullness of God. When we love people, let's cover them. Like, like Noah's sons covered his nakedness, even in his sin. That's an honorable thing. Like, and I'm not saying sweep sin under the rug. No, we're going to deal with it, and there are consequences to our sin. But, but people that don't know Jesus, yes, are living in sin, and we need to love them just like Jesus was accused of. You're hanging out with tax collectors and sinners and prostitutes. Why are you a friend of sinners? We need to get back. Back to the fact that I'm going to live this life awake and who are the non-Christ followers in my life that I am going to love, but I'm going to also tell them the truth. That's the operating gifts. We're going to get to the gifts because some of the truth people, like, like well, we're not, we're, we're not going to, yeah, we are going to stand on the truth of God's word. We will. Got no problem with it. We're not embarrassed of God's word. We, we don't preach like, hey, uh, you know, I, I wish God didn't really put it in there like that. Like if I did it, like it would, be, it would have been like a little, we don't preach like that. We say this is true, this is right, this is good, this is, brings better fruit than any other way of living. We're unashamed, but we're gonna love people who need Jesus. And while they were sinners, Christ died for them just like he died for us. Covers a multitude of sin. Proverbs 10, 12 says, hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses. So this is just really the setup to get to the gifts. The gifts got to go. So we're going to pray awake. We're going to stay awake. We're going to love completely stretched out. And with that framework, now the gifts got to go. This is what Peter's writing in his letter, just a little modern day. But this is what he's trying to get to the church. Wake up. Get ready to love people far from God and get ready to use the gifts that God's given you. The gifts got to go. As each of you has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. There's five lists of spiritual gifts in the New Testament. We read one of them, 1 Peter chapter 4. But let's read two more. We won't read all five. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 through 11. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one person is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the work of miracles. Another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. 
to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Holy Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. So there's a list of gifts there. Romans chapter 12 has another list of gifts, verses three through eight. For by the grace given to me, Paul writes to the Roman church, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. So it takes humility as we operate in gifts. But to think with sober judgment, that's, that's similar to how Peter was writing, sober judgment, wake up, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body, we have many members and the members do not have all the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, and the one who does acts of mercy, do it with cheerfulness. Peter wrote the, you know, the, the one gift. And I just want to pause just for a second. That sometimes when we talk about spiritual gifts and, and what the Lord wants to pour out in our lives, when we become Christ followers, I mean, he gives us gifts. He gives us abilities. And we just read some of those. It's, it is like a superpower. And, and even more so when you operate in those gifts, even while you're hurting. But the one gift, it, there can be this thought of like, if you're been at Christmas or, or birthday and, and you, you see, oh, I've got, I've got one present. And then, and then, oh, it looks like, it looks like they got, they have like a dozen presents. It's like, okay, you know, and sometimes you can feel this way as a Christ follower, like, oh Lord, if, you know, if, if you just, if I'm just a one gift person, like I'm okay, like I'm okay. If, 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 if the good-looking people and the talented people, if they're the 12 gift, you know, I, I just should have humility. I'm just, I'm just a one-gift person. Nope. That's not how you should think about it, not how you should approach it. There's no pity party for you in the kingdom of God. Instead, approach it this way. I eagerly or earnestly, remember that word, I'm stretched out. God, I want more. God, I'm asking for more. Whatever you have for me, I want it. I'm eagerly desiring the gifts, 1 Corinthians 12, 31. But earnestly desire the higher gifts. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. So I'm, I'm eagerly, I'm, I'm earnestly, I'm desiring, I'm stretched out before the Lord. Lord, whatever you have for me, I want it. I'm not living in a pity party. I'm just a one-gift person, and they're all talented, and they get to do all this, and, they, and they, they're all celebrating. Nope, that's not how we live as Christ followers. Nope, God, I want more, and that's a good prayer to pray. I love what Martha Tennyson said during Seek Week, if you were there on Tuesday night. She came in right before the service. She said, I'm not preaching on healing tonight. And before the service, we were like, ah, uh, that's, 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 that's what we asked you to do. <laughs> you know, 
And you're like trying to respect her. She's 81, still doing this thing. Like, and she goes, I'm not preaching about healing tonight. I'm preaching about the healer. And can we just say that about the gifts? Let's not just focus on the gifts, but the gift giver. The gift giver. God, yes, I eagerly desire the gifts, but I desire you. I just want you with my whole life, and you are the focus. And watch what he'll pour out on your life as you don't just pursue the things that he'll give you, but you pursue him. Try to wake somebody up even somebody that you've been living for Christ for a long time, now's the time to wake up. We're, we're on the brink of a move of God. I believe it. We're, we're like right there. So I'm trying to, we'll get to the gifts. Like, hurry up. <laughs> Paul had to wake up Timothy. Think about this. He's, he's discipling Timothy. And Timothy's like, oh, I'm a one gift person. And I just, you know, you know, Lois and Eunice, my mom and grandma, they, they, were, they had the 12 gifts, and I'm more of like just I'm kind of like a one gift. That's, and Paul's writing to Timothy in 1 Timothy and, and 2 Timothy. He's, he's reminding him, like, no, you got to wake up, Timothy. Wake up. And we say the same thing to you. 1 Timothy 4, 14 and 16. Do not neglect the gift you have which was given to you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Practice, practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself. Keep a close watch. Wake up, stay alert, stay awake. Persist in this, for by doing so, you will save both yourself and those that hear you. Okay, he writes that, but he has to write it again to Timothy. He's got, to, he's got to say it again. So the next letter that he writes, 2 Timothy chapter 2, 6 and 7. For this reason, Timothy, I remind you, fan into flame the gift of God which is in you. Man, it's so powerful when somebody that is over you, like a mother or a father or a pastor or a leader or a mentor says, it is in you. It's on you. In church, can I tell you, it is on your life. It is in you. The gift of God is on you. He, he wants to pour out more power, more blessing, more ability to reach your neighbors, coworkers, those that are lost in your life. It's on your life. Receive it today. It is on you. And Timothy needed that reminder. Fan it in the flame. For God gave us not a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-control. When you get a new job, you get new tools. Go to a coffee shop, they give you an apron. If you're a baker, they give you a hat. If you're a blacksmith, get a hammer. Bricklayer, get a trowel. Gardener, give you a glove. You like the jobs that I chose? It's nice. When you become a Christ follower, you got a job to do, and the Lord wants to put tools in your hands to do that job more effectively and more powerfully, and it's the gifts of the Spirit. And so wake up. I'm not, I'm not walking into work groggy. I'm waking up today, I'm gonna, and I'm going to stretch. I'm stretching out for the greater gifts and for the giver and to love those that are far from God, and I'm ready to use the tools. This is what Peter's telling the church. Get ready, even in your suffering. Well, you know, my, 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 issue, my issue's big. Okay, let's talk about grace, varied grace. Peter, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6, we, we talked about this in week 1, okay? Reverse for a second. This is teaching. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, 
you have been grieved by various trials. Okay, for the sufferer, listen. You've been grieved by various trials. That same word various, you've been grieved by various trials, is the same word Peter uses in chapter 4 for varied grace. So it's not saying, oh, God's grace is varied like it's, you know, it's here today, gone tomorrow. It's, it's kind of a, a weak, like a, it's, it's a weak grace. It's, you know, some days it's strong and some days it's not. Nope, no. What Peter's trying to say is the various trials, for every trial you face, there is an equal and greater grace that God is able to pour out in your life. The various trials, there's a varied grace. Oh, I'm, I'm, I just, I'm, I'm doubting and I'm, nope, there, there's a grace for you even in your doubting. I'm sick in my body. There's a grace to live through it and to use your gifts and operate and to accomplish all that God created you to accomplish. For every trial, he has a grace. For every problem, he has a solution. For every doubt, he has the answer. For every sickness, he has the antidote. Well, my trial's bigger than you know. Nope. The, the grace of God is bigger than your trial. And your trial cannot survive how big his grace is. We're ending. Peter writes... Whoever speaks, now these are the gifts. This is his list. Whoever speaks, speak as if it's the very words of God. And he says, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. This is how we're ending. Okay, we're going to wake up. We're going to stretch out. These gifts got to be on the move. For every problem you face, his grace is sufficient. We believe this. But Peter simplifies the long lists of gifts in 1 Corinthians and Romans. He, he simplifies it. Hey, word and deed. Word and deed. These are hand in hand. Word and deed. Let's simplify it. When you speak, whether you're in church leading a small group, if you're a minister, a pastor, an elder, a deacon, if you're a leader in the church, if, you, if you're a coach of one of our serve teams, if you're in the church, which we should serve in the church, we use these gifts in the church. He's writing to the church, but also everywhere you go out into the marketplace and in your neighborhoods and around your home. When you speak, wake up and speak as if you're, you're speaking the words of God. Well, this is what I think about that. And, well, you know, I'm not so sure about this. I, uh, I'm, I'll give you a little bit of advice. Or here's, here's what I would do. How about we as Christ followers get away with God and hear from God and say, this is what the Lord says. This is what he says. This is the word of the Lord for you. This is an encouragement, not from me, but from heaven. I believe that this is the word of the Lord from you. When you speak, church, speak as if it's the words of God. And where do we find the words of God? How about in his word? Augustine said this. When God's word speaks, God speaks. So we can hear from the Holy Spirit and we can speak prophetically and we can have words of wisdom, words of knowledge. That's good. But if you're falling short in that area, how about you go to the word of God? Hey, what's your issue? Let's find it in the word of God. And I'm going to speak not like it's, this is just like some self-help type of thing. This is not just, oh, I, I kind of I learned it in my years. No, how about, this is the word of God. This will solve your problem. This is the answer. He is the living hope. He is the living stone. He's the foundation stone. He's the cornerstone. We are hope holders. This is what I've gone through, and I know that God can do it in you. I've experienced a miracle. You can experience a miracle. This is how good our God is. So speak as if you're speaking God's words, and serve as if you're serving God. Last scripture, Matthew 25, 
35 through 40. Jesus said this, for I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me, just like the sons of Noah. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you a drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them in the parable that Jesus is sharing. Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. I'm praying that this message, 1 Peter chapter 4, would wake you up from the inside out. That this would cut through to the deepest part of you, the eternal part, your soul and spirit, that you would wake up, that we are on the brink of a move of God. That people are going to be added to the kingdom like we've not seen ever before in this church. I believe it. But God wants you to play a part. And we cannot be asleep at the wheel. we got to wake up. And we got to get ready to stretch out our love over people that are living a different way, that do not know the way of Jesus Christ, that are confused, that are in chaos. They, they look different. They talk different. They think different. They smell different. They're different. But they need somebody in the family of God to stretch out their love over them, to share, to speak the words of God over them, and to serve them as if you're serving God. We need to get ready to love like never before. And I'm asking that you would ask the Lord, Lord, give me the strength that comes from you. Give me the words that come from you to operate in every gift that you have for me to see more people added to the kingdom. Lord, I pray right now over every person that you would speak to their heart that greater gifts are on the way Greater gifts are on the way, but it's not about the gifts. It's about you, the gift giver, and about the job. We got a new job, and we got some new tools, and we are going to operate the tools to be more effective, to be more powerful, to see a harvest of souls like we've not seen before here and at every campus. Lord, I pray that we would see revival, a revival of people coming to know you, Jesus Christ, in this church and in the Twin Cities and in Minnesota across our nation and around the world. Lord, would you let it happen? Would you do what only you can do? It takes a miracle, and it's not going to be by somebody's embellishment. It's going to be by your power and by your word. You are the way, you are the truth, and you are the life. I believe it. In Jesus' name, amen.